Rambling Runoff. I am your host, Robert Reels, once again coming to you with the sports news you need to hear. Yes, yes, thank you once again for coming back, or if you're a new listener, thank you for hopping in, and hopefully you'll enjoy some Rambling Runoff with us today. Yeah, we got an action-packed show for you today. I mean, in my opinion, of course. But uh, yeah, we got, when we're going over this weekend's, like, most important news that's been going on i mean there was this one big thing here in the u.s that kind of happened i don't know if you guys ever heard of it it's called the super bowl uh, super bowl 57 just passed by it was a pretty good game in my opinion uh, we're also gonna go into a little bit of a preview for uh the uefa champions league uh tourney that's going on right now the round of 16 has a as of this recording should have already began but we're just gonna give our own details and opinions on what's going on with that and, then, and for the warm-up we are going to be talking about something a little bit personal with myself uh, I've kind of brought it up before but it's I guess you can say the the opposite now of what the topic was prior in pocket talking some pro wrestling yeah yeah and then of course stick around for the rundown because that's where we cover a bunch of different stuff but you know all rapid fire of course depending on what we're talking about and in case you haven't noticed, I am doing this by myself today. But hey, I think people like listening to the sound of my voice. So hopefully uh, our new people who are listening enjoy enjoy the soothing sound of Robert Rios. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's, there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on. A lot of stuff that's going to be going on in the sports world. So yeah, I'm looking forward to covering it all. Um, Personally with myself, I guess just to go over just... Uh, Everyone knows you'll be working. You'll be doing your own grind. Um, I wish I could say I've read a good book or something recently, but I haven't. Which is somewhat of a bummer because I wish I, I was kind of into books. I used to read a lot of like sports books back in the day, but not anymore. I don't know why, but someday I'll get back into it. I don't know. I always feel like when I open up the show, I should talk about something personal or something that I've done. But I haven't really done much except work. It's okay. I mean, I'm just looking forward to uh, whatever it's coming in the spring. I know we have, well, I don't want to get too much of these, but the MLS is about to start, uh, USFL, XFL, and a bunch of other stuff we're going to go over later on in the show. But uh, yeah, um, that's where I am currently at the moment. But um, besides myself, I think everyone who is listening to this is ready for some sports rambling. Why not, huh? Let's get to it. Let's start the rambling. So yeah, the first thing in today's show, and unless you've been living under a rock somehow or haven't been reading the news somewhere, the Super Bowl in the NFL, the National Football League, has just concluded, and we now have our Super Bowl champions. This past Sunday, we had the Kansas City Chiefs squaring up against the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 57, live from Glendale, Arizona, from what is the State Farm Stadium. In which the AFC champions were going up against the NFC champions. And these were unequivocally the two best teams in the league. They had the best everything. Offense, defense, you name it. But of course there's going to be one winner. There were no ties. There are no draws. Someone's going to go home sad. In which, unless you don't know already, but the final of the result was... Kansas City Chiefs, 38. Philadelphia Eagles, 35. And yes, yes, the Chiefs were on top this past weekend. 
the two best teams throughout the season who ended up number one seeds in the respective conferences. Uh, the the Chiefs and the Eagles treated everyone to an all time classic Super Bowl with I would say two phenomenal offenses performing at an extraordinary high level throughout it. Uh, it came all the way down uh, to the wire with Mahomes leading leading his team to victory at the conclusion of a decisive drive in crunch time as Harrison Butker drilled a 40-yard field goal with 8 seconds remaining to put Casey on top by the final margin. But yeah, um, I guess you could say an anticlimactic note, but hey, sometimes you just got to be strategic with it. Um, for the Kansas City Chiefs, this is the second time in the last four seasons that they are Super Bowl champs. Coming back from 10 points down at halftime, the Chiefs scored touchdowns on each of their first three possessions in the second half to claim a 38-35 victory over the Eagles. The Chiefs became the second team in NFL history as well to come back from a double-digit halftime deficit to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes also became the first player in, since Kurt Warner in 1999 with the Rams to win NFL MVP and lead... <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm a little under the weather. And lead his team to victory in the Super Bowl. Um, I would say, although I just kind of like hyped up Patrick Mahomes, uh, I would also say that uh, both quarterbacks were just played out of their damn minds and showed everybody that why they're the best. Um, yeah, it was just. I would say a, a stage show of a performance by Mahomes and uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, I would say, though, the first half was all Jalen Hurts. Uh, he, he was nearly a, as marvelous as he was all season long. I mean, if anything, probably even better. Uh, he he became just the second player in NFL history to rush for three or more touchdowns in the Super Bowl and added a fourth score through the air. On the evening of the game, he completed 27 of 38 passes for uh, 304 yards and a touchdown while taking 15 carries for 70 yards plus the three scores he had. Um, here's some uh, stat lines I like to read in regards to Jalen Hurts. Uh, Hurts became the first QB to have three games with a rush TD in a single season. Jalen Hurts is the first player in Super Bowl history to rush for two TDs in the first half. Jalen Hurts is the second quarterback in NFL history with three rushing TDs in a playoff game. I'm joining Otto Graham in the 1954 NFL Championship. And lastly, Jalen Hurts recorded his second career game with 300 passing yards, 50 rushing yards, and three rushing TDs. No other player has ever done that even once. So he was putting up Madden EA stat lines in the first two quarters of the game practically, which is just astonishing and amazing by from a player of his stature who... For like a hot minute, people thought it was over for him. But no, he, he was able to show that he could still play. Um, I guess we could uh, kind of jump in with... Uh, well, let me see. Da, 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 da. Now we can kind of... Let's go into more into the the game itself. Philadelphia sell for a field goal. Well, actually, no. This is the only time that they actually didn't really score. It was when they sell for a field goal on one of its second half possessions and a punt in another... And they punted a few times, I think once or twice. But um, I would say those punts is what kind of killed it for them and helped Kansas City come back into this game. Um, with Patrick Mahomes, he was, I would say he was non-existent, but that was due to the Chiefs not really getting time of possession. Like, 
I think at some point I saw during the game that we had like seven minutes of possession, which was like, damn, like that's like nothing. Like Philadelphia was really succeed. I would say they were mindful when they had the ball. Um, for Mahomes, he was simply spectacular in the second half, completing 13 of 50 passes for 93 yards and two scores while adding a crucial 26-yard scramble on what would have eventually become the game-winning drive. Uh, the newly crowned NFL MVP completed 21 of 27 passes for 182 yards and three touchdowns and rushed six times for 44 to additional yards. Um, here's some notable stats and streaks snapped by Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs that I'd like to read off to you, to you guys. Uh, previous nine MVPs to reach Super Bowl had all lost. Previous six individual passing yard leaders to reach the NFL Super Bowl had all lost. Previous eight teams to win the coin toss at Super Bowl the Super Bowl had all lost. Patrick Mahomes in 2022 won the regular season MVP, won Super Bowl MVP, led the NFL in pass CD, led the NFL in passing yards. Only three players have, have done this in their whole career, what Mahomes did in one season. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Kurt Warner. So, he kind of did something that was super, super duper impossible and did the whole damn thing, which is I don't know about you guys, but it's really, really cool to see in here. Um, let me see what else we got here. Uh, each of Mahomes' touchdown passes went to uh, different receivers, by the way, with tight end Travis Kelsey uh, grabbing an 18-yard score on the Chiefs' first possession of the game. Um, wide receivers Kadarius, Tony, and Sky Moore uh, found the end zone in the second half with a first-half uh, fumble return touchdown serving by Nick Bolton, who played as well. He had a hell of a game uh, as Kansas City's other entry into the end zone. At the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes is the first player in NFL history with multiple championships and multiple league MVPs within his first six seasons. Um, the Chiefs did good by coming back and scoring on all their positions, as I mentioned before in, that, in the second half. And like I mentioned before, Mahomes finished the season as the NFL leading um, in yard passing and passing touchdowns. Uh... Yeah, he won NFL MVP, Super Bowl, and Super Bowl. Yeah, the Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP to boot. So it's like, in the matter of two quarters, he drastically boosted his NFL career. Um, yeah, and just the fact that he he outbeat Warner Brady and Peyton Manning is just like you wouldn't think that he'd be that elite, but he is, and that's how. He has now etched his name in history. Um, meanwhile, uh, I would say for the coaching staff for the Chiefs, who utterly had to make a comeback, uh, Coach Andy Reid repeatedly found ways to get Travis Kelsey and wide receiver Juju Schuster into the game. Uh, seven catches, 53 yards, opened, and they were able to find you know open spots in the middle of the field. And I would say Schuster was able to scheme easy catches for himself. And the rest for the of the receiving court for Kansas City in, in order to get those touchdowns in the red zone. And I guess you can see also the O-line for Kansas City helped kept keep a Mahomes jersey clean. Even with his limpy leg, he was, you know, still able to outrun and maneuver the um Philadelphia Eagles defense. Um it also I also didn't even help keep the running backs jerseys clear that I say Pacheco, he had a fifteen career fifteen carries, seventy six yards in the T D and Jarek McKinnon, uh, he had uh, four carries for 34 yards to have uh, big games on the ground in the second half. 
And like I mentioned before, Travis Kelsey helped open the scoreline for KC. And uh, his uh, opening touchdown drive in the first quarter was the 16th of his playoff career, passing Rob Gronkowski for second in NFL history. Uh, Travis Kelsey now only trails Jerry Rice, who has a total of 22 touchdowns in his playoff career. Dude, that's crazy. I don't think no one was really thinking that they were going to break or even get close to these records, and these guys are just shattering them practically. We're like watching history, you know, within our eye, like in front of our own eyes. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, as mentioned before, rookies Isaiah Pacheco and Skymore each had a touchdown. The Chiefs are the second team to have two different rookies score a TD in the Super Bowl during the 1985 Bears with William Perry and Reggie Phillips. Pacheco was also the second former 7th round pick to score a rushing TD in the Super Bowl and the first since Ahmad Bradshaw in Super Bowl. Sorry, I'm just going to say the Roman number. XLVI. <laughs> if you happen to know what number that is, let me know. <laughs> I wrote it down, but I didn't describe it to myself. Oopsie. Um, the defense made the... I would say the Chiefs defense made the Philly offense look really, really city, shitty. Silly, shitty, whatever you want to say. Um... It's like as if Philly forgot how to play. Because um, it was all Philly in that first half. Uh, I would say every time Philly was at 31, 4-1, they would just rugby rugby scramble for the for each down. And the Chiefs never had an answer. Um, it, it was as if that Philly was just going for the long ball and the Chiefs had no answer. It wasn't until like, yeah, that second half that they were able to figure something out and get the Eagles to make mistakes and not have them score. Because, yeah, the Eagles with Jalen Hurts were just, I would say, running circles around the Chiefs. But, like I said, they were able to recover. Um, As I mentioned, Nick Bolton was electric all night, the Chiefs' lead tackler this season. He finished with nine more grabs Sunday night, the most of any player in the game. Uh, the biggest tackle came in the third quarter when he tackled down Eagles running back Kenneth Gainwell in the open field on third down, forcing Philly to kick a field goal rather than go for it on fourth down, which was surprising in my opinion. Bolton also picked up Hurst's first half fumble and returned it 36 yards for the score, keeping KC within striking distance at the game. I think besides like the punts, that 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 one that one fumble and turnover is the saving grace for the Chiefs because if the Eagles would have I don't even think if if the Chiefs wouldn't have been able to score off of that off of that fumble, like in any other scenario where the Phillies, the Phillies, <laughs> Phil, if the Eagles marched down the field, scored even just a field goal, I would even say just have to punt the ball away. The Chiefs would have been in trouble because they were not generating any type of offense at that moment. So it would have been a two-score game uh, heading into the half. It would have been more detrimental to them in this game. But hey, they were able to figure it out. Um, also, with Bolton's uh, fumble recovery, uh, Nick Bolton recorded the first fumble return TD in Super Bowl history since the Broncos' Malik Jackson in Super Bowl 50 against the Panthers. Uh, moving on into more detail with the Eagles, yeah, like I was saying, they had a really good first half and then they just crumbled. The main thing I think that like dug them in was that like they came out thinking that the Chiefs were going to do the same thing again, but no, they were able to adjust. Um, and another thing was they didn't have the ball at the end of the game, and 
that might have been one of the reasons. I mean, that is the reason why they lost, I guess you could say. Because the, the Chiefs were a little bit smarter with the ball towards the end. Um, You know, I think the, the one turnover that they committed was more or less their downfall in this game. Uh, yeah, and Bolton scooping and scoring it, taking it to the house, you know, was the cherry on top. And I want to say that was like the turning point of the game, but that's what helped keep them in. If not, it would have been a two-score game. Um, I would say their defense, you know, helped them come up short in two key third downs in that second half. Uh, the first one leading to uh, the field goal, keeping KC within a one-score game, but the second led to a T- Tony Tooney's rec- record-setting 65-yard punt return, which is, um, you know, the record-setting of longest punt return in the game, uh, the drive. And the punt, you know, I was like, okay, they're going to punt it, but uh, let's see where we go from here. And yet I ended up costing them because what were you supposed to do? You let this guy run for 65 and come into your five-yard line. It just puts you in like a really rough spot. And that was just uncharacteristic of of the Eagles all postseason long in regards to uh, not them not even turning over the ball all postseason. Um, let me see what else do I got here. Uh, plus the Eagles, their their run game was just non-existent this whole game. Um, I kind of figured because every time they run the ball, they just ran to a brick wall of defensemen in in the line. Uh, the the line was the offensive line was not opening up any holes. Uh, Jalen Hurts ran for fif- fifteen times for seventy yards, but Gainwell. Miles Sander and Boston Scott combined for just 45 yards and 17 carries. Uh, the inability to impose their will in the run game made the Eagles more one-dimensional than usual, and, and that gives the Chiefs the opening chance to make a comeback. I was like, this ain't the guys that destroyed the 49ers, and I was like, eh, it is what it is. Um, one of the, the turning points for me was the long, yeah, that long punt. Uh, the Eagles looked gassed, and the Chiefs were ready to just steamroll them. There were two instances where the Chiefs basically ran the same play, and uh, and they had open man early in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs faced third, third and three from the Eagles' five yard line. Kansas City changed out with two tight ends set with a Kelsey lined up in the slot to the right and Noah Gray in the close on the formation, but off the line on the side, left them wide open on the side. Um, and Tony just was able to walk right into the end zone. Once he uh, walked in for the score, I was like, okay, this game might be a little bit harder for the Eagles to close. And um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Eagles did have, have did respond. They showed that they still have some life in them with the last TD drive to uh, get them within two. And then he went to two and tied the game. And some would have probably thought that this was going to be a, a back-and-forth affair, but which it wasn't because the, the Chiefs were strategic and they held on to the ball until the last seconds. Uh, they had a guy running towards the end zone. He stopped right before the line, and they just wasted a little bit of time. And with like ten seconds left, Butker kicked the the game-winning field goal, and that's what gave the Chiefs the win. Um, but yeah, um, that 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 one kick is what gave the the Kansas City Chiefs their second Lombardi Trophy in the past four years. Um, 
although that was their good record-setting uh, appointment, uh, the Eagles, on the other hand, um, this past Sunday became, jo- or they should, I should say, they joined the 2016 Falcons as the only teams in NFL history to uh, to lose when leading at halftime by double digits. Uh, disappointing, but congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning uh, the NFL championship and the Lombardi, Lombardi Trophy. Uh, just really quick, um, Rihanna's performance was pretty good at halftime. Uh, she couldn't really move as much because uh, as doing further research, she uh, she is now pregnant with a second, bearing a second child. And so I guess their concept was Rihanna can't move, but uh, we'll move Rihanna. It looked pretty funny because it looked like a, the stage looked like a Nintendo um, Smash Bros. Uh, competition or a stage, I, sh- I should say. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, in regards to the um, commercials, uh, they weren't very funny. Not like haha funny, but they were okay. Uh, we had the my favorite commercial was the Flash trailer with a uh, a cameoing Michael Keaton as Batman, which was cool. Uh, we also had the Doritos with Jack Harlow uh, promoting the new Doritos flavor, and also starring Elton John. Uh, there was also another Fast and the Furious trailer, Whoop de Doo. Uh, there was also a Dunkin' Donut or Dunkin' whatever you want to call it with Ben Affleck where uh, he's working at Dunkin' and working at the drive-thru. Some people recognize him. Some people are like, who are you? And even J-Lo rolled up. And she's like, is this where you go when you say you go to work? <laughs> and then um, there was a Coors Light, Merlot Light battle in which they were saying who was the, the true the true beer king. And then at the end, it was like, nope, it's a Blue Moon commercial. I'm like, bruh. But I'm more of a Modelo person, but that's okay. But uh, other than that, it was a pretty good sun- Super Bowl Sunday. Congratulations once to the, once again to the Chiefs. Uh, I look forward to uh, next year's Super Bowl, which will be held at uh, Allegiant Alliance Stadium in Las Vegas. So see you guys in Vegas. All right, moving ne- moving on now in our programming from, I know I always make this joke, from pigskin football to world football. Uh, UEFA Champions League has reared its head once again and is up and running uh, this week uh, maybe a little bit late on these uh, first couple of fixtures but uh, we'll be kind of going into detail a little bit on who we think is going to be doing good and who might need who might need to be doing some improvement of course um, we got, we got uh, AC Milan from Italy going up against Tottenham Hotspur in England uh, the two clubs are reading lately. Um, reading lately, will play at the legendary San Siro Stadium to gain the upper hand in the first leg of the series. Uh, if there is no one way to uh, get ready for midweek championship uh, league games, it's getting thrashed for the one in one's domestic league. Uh, that's exactly what happened to Tottenham this past past week and during their visit to Leicester City. Um, worse still, for once, Spurs actually started on the right foot, claiming an early 1-0 lead, only to suffer a, a pulminating dismantle for the rest of the afternoon. Uh, Antonio Conte will need to get his first his, his men um, basically refocused and play a full 90 minutes this week, uh, something they've struggled mightily with mightily all season long, hence their fifth place in the Premier League in eight defeats. Uh, the ironic... Uh, Roz, I can never really say these guys' name. Ra- Rosaneri, 
finally did did away with an embarrassing poor sequence over the weekend with a 1-0 victory at Torino. Olivier Giroud scored another brilliant header off a set piece in the 62nd minute. Um, it put an end to a disastrous three-game winning streak, uh, which saw them lose to City rivals Inter Milan, gets matched at home 5-2 by Sao Solo. Uh, they're in a tough fight for a top four finish in Serie A, making both their domestic and champions Champions League tilts of the utmost importance. So basically, they would need they need to play these games really good because if if you're gonna be playing terribly in your league, you don't want to be coming into Champions League in the tourney and laying a big fat egg because then you're look more stupid. So hopefully, you know they they turn it around and they get things going. Uh, moving on, we had a. Paris Saint Germain and Bayern Munich, one of the more mouth-watering round of 16 clashes featuring uh, perennial contenders and German giants. Um, Bayern Munich facing off against PSG, um, a club that dominates at home but uh, has found continental success exclusive. Um, this also happens to be a rematch of the 2020 final, which the Bavarian side won 1-0. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how PSG comes out. They are playing at home where they usually dominate in Ligue 1, but they usually struggle to play international competition. And, you know, they play... I think they kind of get dismantled in this competition, so hopefully they could try to figure things out. Uh, judging by some reports emanating from PSG's camp, uh, Mbappe and Lionel Messi will be active for this game. Each has a... I missed some playing time in recent weeks due to injuries. Their absence uh, were sorely felt over the weekend when the champions visited third place Monaco, uh, who taught PSG a footballing lesson with a 3-1 victory. Uh, moreover, the uh, moreover PSG decidedly looked like the second best team on the pitch, and so begins another quest for European glory for a side that has invested countless funds into creating a, a juggernaut. Not many franchises can claim to have Lionel Messi, Kylian Mbappe, and Neymar Jr. In their starting lineup, so now in the time to make the push. Now is the time for him to make a push for a title. Um, over in the Bundesliga in Germany, things seem to have reverted to standard operating procedures. Although it isn't clear cut as uh, Julian Nagelsmann's side would like Julian Berlin to hold on first place. Hold on to first place. Um, lasted a couple months la last autumn and made for a terrific. Story Byron has uh, since reclaimed the top spot, albeit by a single point. Uh, they but they busted uh, Butchman at the Allianz Arena over the weekend 3-0 and uh, looked comfortable in the process. This upcoming game at the Parc des Princes uh, promises to be a, a lot more difficult. So yeah, we're gonna have to see if PSG is for real this time and if they want to be a contender contender in the international stage and not just you know keep on destroying. The, the, the smaller sides, I should say, in France. On um, February 15th, we had a Borussia Dortmund going up against Chelsea. Uh, this game is, a, I would say, this is probably the, the least um, attractive game from the first couple of uh, first legs that we got going around. Um, I mean, we're, we're probably going to see Dortmund struggle, but we're also going to see Chelsea struggle. Um, I mean, speaking of these teams that are failing well in Germany, Borussia Dortmund is holding on its own rather well since superstar Erling Haaland depart departure last summer to Man City, staying in third in the Bundesliga. 
Uh, they trailed the aforementioned Bayern Munich by only three points. Technically, anything can happen over the remaining three months of domestic football. For now, a date with London club Chelsea awaits. Uh, most eyes will be on uh, Englishman Jude Billingham, who plays for Dortmund. There have been uh, Bundesli- there have been uh, rumors about him moving to Premier League. He is one of the Bundesliga's rising stars at the moment. Uh, there is no other way to put it, but uh, Chelsea had had an extremely rough go so far about the past couple months ever since his previous owner was justifiably forced out, out the door. Uh, the managerial change in midstream to claim Graham Potter, who had done an admirable job at Brighton, has done little to quell the club's ills. They have been uh, smacked around, more or less, um, once domestically, they failed to defeat a struggling West Ham side over the weekend, mustering a 1-1 draw. It's a minor miracle that they are the Champions League's that they are in the Champions League round of 16. Yeah, Chelsea isn't looking so bright right now. They spent a lot of money and they're struggling to beat mid-table. I mean, they are a mid-table team at this point. So let's see what happens with them. If not, they're about to get dismantled by Dortmund. Next up, we have a Club Bruges. Uh, Club Bruges from Belgium versus Benfica. I would say this isn't a very uh, attractive game either, just in regards to the names. I mean, who people, what people are gonna like? Know who Club Bruges is? Or still, I would say they're, they're probably the smaller club in this whole um, last sixteen. Um, probably the tie among the four to be featured this week that will get the the least amount of spotlight in the Belgian is the Belgian Pro League side. And yeah, the I would say well, they're supposed to be giants. I would say Benfica is also a small team, even though they're they're giants in Portugal. Uh, Bears repeating that once, repeating that one never knows uh, which of these first league ties will surprise us, especially when it comes to uh, less popular clubs such as these two. Uh, Bruges is not having the greatest domestic campaign. It's its force in the Pro League, a full twenty points behind table leaders Racing Grant, who, pardon the pun, is running away with the, the league. To their credit, Bruges hasn't suffered uh, defeat in quite some time, avoiding the fate since January 8th against Gent. Oh. On the flip side, they haven't won uh, very much either. Um, of their past six contests, uh, five have been, Bruges, have been Bruges and their opposites share the spoils. Have seen Bruges and their, and their opposites share the spoils. Uh, the team has no trouble scoring, having failed to put the ball in the back of the net only once in the last nine games. Benfica is no longer, is no stranger to Champions League. I mean, we've seen them go toe-to-toe with like, I think it was Atletico Madrid last year where they were going back and forth and the players were just about to start throwing fists. Um, Benfica having won the tournament or its equivalent twice in its history, albeit both occasions were a long time ago, which is, uh, let me see what I got here, 1961 and 1962. Uh, at the moment, they're experiencing a rather successful domestic campaign, leading the Portuguese Primeira Premier League. Uh, their advantage is only five points ahead, with eternal rivals Porto uh, breaking down their neck, breathing down their neck, excuse me, at five points away, and Braga not too far behind with seven points, or seven points behind them. Uh, there's no doubt that the Portuguese side is the one with the most expe- experience. Joao Mario and Goncalo Ramos are both having great seasons, having each scored 12 times. Moving on, we have, on February 21st, 
Um, moving into a little bit to the, to the future, we have Ankrach, I think that's how you say it, Frankfurt from Germany and Napoli from Italy. Uh, Frankfurt made the Champions League because of their Europa League victory last season. Uh, they put in a great amount um a great amount of themselves finishing second behind Spurs in Group D. Napoli top Group A on goals um, scored over Liverpool. Glee Azuri opened their Champions League campaign with a 4-1 win over Liverpool and have been in amazing form in all competitions. Yeah, Napoli's I think has been the surprise team from not just the Champions League but overall in European football. Um, while Frankfurt have are no pushovers, Napoli should go through. Uh, they scored nearly three times as many as Frankfurt in the group stage, and Serie A leaders show up, show no signs of slowing down or letting up. Also in that day, we have Liverpool versus England versus Real Madrid. This should be a, a very good matchup. I think it, uh, yeah, this is possibly the most thrilling matchup of the round of 16. It's a rematch of last year's Champions League final, where Madrid came out on top. Obviously, Liverpool has been erratic in all competitions this season including the Champions League. The Reds finished second in Group A finishing behind Napoli's side who demolished them on the first match day of the group. Madrid on the other hand topped the Group F. They suffered a loss to uh, Leipzig but were overall uh, their usual dominant selves. Vinicius Jr. has put in incredible performances scoring four times during the group stage. Um, expect Madrid to uh, go through here. A lot can change between now and late February, but Liverpool has yet to show consistency this season. The defending champs continue the pursuit of another European Cup. Uh, moving on, uh, we have Inter Milan going up against Porto from Portugal. Italian Giants Inter Milan finished second in their group behind German heavyweight Bayern Munich. Um, they failed to defeat Bayern Munich in the group, but still putting quality performances to advance. Uh, Porto topped the group over Club Bruges, but came down to the final match week. Furthermore, Aziz, e Bra Bra Aziz Broncos <laughs> suffered a loss uh, to out-of-form Atletico Madrid and uh, a heavy defeat to Club Bruges. Uh, Porto has a history of Champions League upsets as well. However, uh, just two years ago, they, they swept uh, aside Juventus in the round of 16. I do remember that. That was like pretty gnarly. However, don't expect a repeat here. Internationale will go through this year, most likely. That's what I'm predicting. Um, then we got uh, RB Leipzig from Germany going up against uh, Manchester City from England. Um, Manchester City crop group G while going unbeaten in the group group stages. This the citizens have already faced one German's best club, taking Borussia Dortmund in the group stage. City won the first tie while the two clubs drew the the return match. Leipzig finished second in Group F, losing twice in the group stages. They did not face an English club yet, but they did um, give one of the world's best clubs a run for their money. Die Rotzenbolen faced <laughs> defending league winners Real Madrid in, in the group. Madrid won the first leg while Leipzig won the return fixture in week five in match week five. While Leipzig can be proud of the victory over Madrid, um, it won't do them well in the knockouts. Manchester City are simply on a different level right now. Um, the citizens conceded just twice during the group stages and are one of the, the competition's best in the terms of possession and distribution. Erling Haaland has scored five goals and is in imperious form. Um, 
also just as note I mean although we that's all the positives for Man City we have to see how they perform now with the um alleged overspending and scandal going around the team and I would see they're kind of a little out of form like they're not the same as they were when they started this tournament although we want to look positive look onto the positives and hope that they do do well in this upcoming fixtures but uh yeah um I'm hoping for a few good matches uh in in this tourney uh I mean I, a lot of people would probably hope that a lot of the big names would play each other later but that's just the way that they were drawn up this time around um I ha I don't mind the way that it was uh all laid out maybe it would have been fine to see PSG and Bayern Munich play later it would have been better to see uh Liverpool and Real Madrid play later on in the tournament but that's just like I said the way that the person put their hand in and the balls came out <laughs> but uh yeah uh, let me know what um what game you guys are looking forward to see and who you think is going to win. Um, I don't know if I was able to. I know on some of them I was saying, oh yeah, so and so is going to win. Um, just go through AC Milan and Tottenham. I'm gonna see AC Milan goes through just due to the fact that Tottenham is just very inconsistent. PSG and Bayern Munich, uh, barring that PSG is playing this for reals and finally has all their affairs in order. Uh. Bayern Munich should be the more dominant squad in this. Um, between Dortmund and Chelsea, I know Dortmund's like really good, but I think Chelsea is going to get lucky and get through. Uh, Club Bruges and Benfica. I think I'm going to go with the upset here and have Club Bruges being Benfica. Frankfurt and Napoli. I think Napoli has just been on it. Like I said earlier, they're on a tear. I don't think anyone, they're untouchable. If anything, they might be the underdog in this whole entire tournament. So make sure you guys watch out for this Italian squad to go all the way and even make it to the final. Um, between Liverpool and Real Madrid, uh, we just seen Liverpool who they just know how to win. And although I, I do occasionally pick against Liverpool, I mean against Real Madrid, um, they, they seem to know who to put in and they pick their spots well on who should be on... on they they pick their spots well on who should be on the field and and those people those individuals that do get picked to go onto the field ultimately get them the W and get them the easy win. Um, which is Inter Milan and Porto. Uh, I don't know. I think Milan's been. I want to say they've been kind of inconsistent, but uh, Porto like last year, you know, being Juventus kind of turned on the Jets and I kind of seen them doing the same here again. So. Let's see, uh, I have Pardo going through. And then, uh, I think, was is this the last one? Yeah, lastly, uh, we got RB Leipzig going up against Manchester City. Um, this one's kind of a toss-up because Man City is, I mean, paper-wise, they're the best, better team. But as of now, they, you know, oh, man, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a crapshoot here. I wish I could flip a coin, but, uh, Unless Erling Holling wants to find the, the score sheet again, I think we're gonna have Man City going through to the end. But uh yeah, um that is the Champions League round of sixteen. Um I guess my, my preview slash yeah, my preview slash predictions for the tournament. But uh, yeah, let me know who you think is gonna move on and also who you think is gonna win it all. But uh now besides the Champions League, we're gonna be moving on now in our programming here. Uh, we're going to the warm-up, everyone's favorite, 
favorite topic that we got. And in this week's warm-up discussion, uh, I'm going to be talking some pro wrestling uh, in which, although I know in the past I, I've I've talked about this before where AEW has gotten me to enjoy wrestling again. However, in the past couple months, I haven't really been watching or following it as like as hard as I was prior. Um, and that's just due to the fact that the product I think has somewhat I want to say it gotten stale, but no longer attracted me. It was this kind of shiny new thing, and I I, I really enjoyed it in the beginning. I, I followed it the past two and a half years now. And like it, it was really fun to watch. You had old faces going up against new faces, and I was like, "Wow, like this could actually work." But um, it seems as though that formula has run itself to the ground a bit. But also, there hasn't really been anything that would attract me to the product. Um, I think I have to go back to um when they had the CM Punk incident after their pay per view, in which he had a he went onto onto a tyrant rant. And getting to a fight with your uh, vice president is not always the best thing, and I think that's what kind of has put has brought us here now in regards to um, why the product has kind of gone stale. Currently, they have uh, MJF as the champion, which uh, MJF is really good. He's a really good performer. He's a really good heel. He knows how to interact with the crowds. But uh, it seems as though ever since then, uh, they kind of. Figuratively went back to business. I mean, even right after that pay per view, they had John Moxley, who even said himself in his promo that he was supposed to go on vacation, but he is sticking around for a bit. In which I think he's already gone on his vacation as well. So it, it is, it does kind of suck to see that uh, something that caught my eye it has now like dwindled. Uh, I haven't really been like following any of like the backstage deets or the. Oh, I forgot what they call them, but like the like web pages where like people just put on like, oh, someone so's mad today, or you know, like the the secrets and details that they don't want you to know, but people end up finding out anyway. Oh, the dirt sheets. There you go. Because I haven't really been following any of like YouTube content or news in regards to the wrestling itself. I've kind of like checked out some WWE here and there just to see like Cody Rhodes, because Cody Rhodes is more or less the only in my opinion the most realistic guy to follow in WWE right now and unfortunately since he left even when he, even when he left AEW it kind of left the hole in like the company's company's body as well because like because with Cody Rhodes you, you weren't in AEW you weren't just following his journey in AEW you're following his overall journey and opening up a new uh, wrestling company and trying to find stardom with just his name himself but now he, he's at WWE and since he left there, now you're following his journey in World Wrestling Entertainment in which now you get to see, well, now he gets to almost get try to grab that, that brass ring that everyone is always talking about. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how his journey goes. And that's why I've been kind of following. He just kind of, he came back from his injury. He won the Royal Rumble. So he's going, going up against Roman Reigns, which is going to be an interesting matchup. Because now there's a turmoil within the the Roman Reigns camp. So it's going to be cool to see how it goes. But um, back to my AEW discussion. Um, it, it was very uh, 
they made it very clear that they don't want CM Punk there right now. Uh, there was rumors that they were going to fire him. They were going to buy out his contract, which nothing to my knowledge has been said. Unless I am I am wrong, please let me know in the comments if or anywhere if I if if, if he uh if they ever decided his fate. But um, right now he he he's non-existent. It's like as if he was never on the in the show at all. Um, but I think what it might what might be coming to fruition and I wouldn't be surprised if they do this I mean you might as well make some money off of this uh if CM Punk is still part of AEW and he is to return at some point you're most likely going to see him screw over somebody and become the ultimate heel which I would say most people like it when Punk is the heel he's always kind of the anti-hero it, it was kind of hard with MJF of course and it was funny when uh, when that incident happened on that Sunday night. They just like, immediately edited any any image of CM Punk in any of their promos. Have not mentioned his name. I only think MJF has even mentioned his name. So um, I think what's going to happen is CM Punk is going to screw over somebody. Probably MJF. Um, I mean, it has to be, right? And um, he's not going to come alone. As well in regards to CM Punk, there's these two other guys, FTR, who have who were just on a tear in the wrestling business. You know, they were in AEW. They had the Triple A, the TNA, and the Ring of Ring of Honor Championships, but they didn't have the AEW Championships. And I did hear there was rumblings that they were like, "Hey, just give us those, and we'll be the greatest of all time," which they already were basically. But um, they didn't want to do that. So I think little by little, I think also they probably wanted the break. Um, they were dropping all the belts, and now they've kind of gone to the wayside. So what I've been seeing is the rumor is, is that going to go up against the elite, or to my knowledge, if I'm correct, the, the current trios champions, uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, at some point that the three individuals, CM Punk and FTR, are going to show up out of nowhere and run rapid in AEW because you're going to have the guy, the self-proclaimed best in the world and the best tag team ever in existence at the moment come and just destroy everybody. You're going to have CM Punk probably gun it for the main championship and then then you're going to have FTR and CM Punk basically challenge the VPs (laughs) um Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks for the trio championships and you're going to have them basically strapped with everything. So that's why I meant earlier by they're going to try to make some money off of this. An attempt to, I guess, reinvigor or reconstruct CM Punk's image because what you saw was just a man upset and taking it out on the media basically and calling out people instead of going to their face which was kind of suspicious and Dramatic, I would say. So, it's going to be interesting on how AEW deals with this situation because ever since that day, it's been kind of hard to watch because, like, damn, like, they really let drama spill out into reality. And when they could have used that as a work, they, they, they found that it was just impossible because they ended up getting into a fight and a scuffle. And it's not like wrestling fight. Like, there's just hatred and disregard for employees and who's working there so 
hopefully they, they can figure it out because yeah it hasn't been fun to watch I haven't really been watching it it's it's not because there, there's blood and extreme like um how would you say spots that's making it unattractive it's just that like it's moved on to the point where it's like okay like they, they've kind of found like their niche audience I mean their niche audience has always been the hardcore fan base but just being able to be like oh yeah I'm gonna watch it on Wednesday and then the Wednesday come arounds and I forget about it <laughs> if I'm being honest so it's not like I'm not watching it but I'm not like trying to turn on my TV and watch two hours of wrestling on a Wednesday night because it, it just isn't it's not tangible it's not it's not sexy no more so that's the reason why I kind of had to stop watching it because those two reasons the CM Punk incident it did kind of drive me away and uh constant reminder of like oh yeah I could just like watch it all in one go and enjoy it but it's just not how it works anymore and you know I, I even want trying to watch YouTube videos it's not as enjoyable as before it, it just kind of game started getting mucky with the collaborations and new faces and old faces trying to like mix around everywhere I think another thing that they need to figure out as well is uh, what they're going to do is Ring of Honor because there's a lot of Ring of Honor wrestlers that I'm not too familiar with and they're popping up on AEW programming but I didn't really get to watch AEW as a kid I mean excuse me um, ROH as a kid Ring of Honor so I feel like they need to figure out what they're going to do with uh, Ring of Honor instead of just having like pay-per-views every once in a while and be like oh here comes Ring of Honor Final Battle 25 like okay that's cool and all but I need you guys to uh kind of figure out what direction you're, you're going to go with to go with the product because it's kind of I want out it's, it's it's driving me away and I hope that at some point they figure it out and doesn't drive away simple-minded folk like myself I would say I'm I'm a mid-card person I'm not hardcore I'm not leisurely but I like to see me some good wrestling so hopefully down the line you know they figure it out and and hopefully down the line as well I can go see it live but yeah that's just what my two cents I just wanted to give really quick on on pro wrestling and AEW but uh, yeah <laughs> thank you for sticking around if you got this far alrighty then alrighty then other than that let's start wrapping up the programming here as we go into the rundown of course it should be fairly quick um in the rundown this week, we have the MLS is less than about, depending on when you're listening, let's say about 11 days left uh, from the start of the season. Uh, the first game of the season will be LA Galaxy playing host to defending and crossroad rivals uh, LAFC on February 25th at the Rose Bowl. Uh, one thing I'd like to point out, uh, currently, supposedly, the MLS is trying to rework their playoff system in which there's more games, which would be a best of three system. But I think that's just due to uh, Apple, who are now streaming the games. Uh, wanting to have more games and last a little bit longer you know the more people that are watching uh, the better for them um, in the NWSL uh, we got uh, the schedule drops as I mentioned last week um, so the season will begin Saturday 25th between oh Saturday <laughs> March 25th between North Carolina Courage and Akisi Current at 2 p.m. Eastern um and more soccer news, of course. Uh, U.S. Soccer has selected Orlando to host uh, USA versus El Salvador for the CONCACAF Nations League Group D um, on March 27th at 
7.30 p.m. Eastern. Coverage can be find, found on TNT, Universal, and Peacock. Also in the soccer world, the FIFA Club World Cup just passed by, which I was able to watch a little bit on my television, which, you know, Real Madrid and Al Hilal. It was somewhat of a back-and-forth affair in which uh, Real Madrid came up on top 5-3. to three. Uh, Vinicius Jr. had uh, two goals. Uh, I mean, it was somewhat of a one-sided game, even though you wouldn't tell by the scoreline. But, but yeah, um, good job, Real Madrid. You're the best team in the world again. Uh, in the XFL, they announced their secondary logos, which kind of just look more like sleek decals, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, if, if you if you enjoy the XFL, wait until a little late in the spring and that season should be going on. But one season that will not be taking too much time to start soon will be the XFL. Uh, the new season kicks off on April 15th. Um, and each of the four host cities, Detroit, Memphis, Canton, uh, Canton Ohio, and uh, Birmingham, Alabama, will all have games within the first three weeks. And then... Is this the la yeah? Lastly, NASCAR. Uh, the Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum Sunday, February. Oh, dang it! I thought I deleted this. <laughs> I have my notes here. It's already getting me confused. Um, the the Cup Series uh, opens at Daytona International Speedway Wednesday to begin preparations for February nineteenth um, for the season opening Daytona Five Hundred live from Daytona Beach, Florida, and you can watch that on Fox. Um, first is qualifiers on. For the qualifying field on February 15th. Then we have the Blue Green va Vacations Duel. After that, on February 17th, we have the Next Era 250. After that, we have the, I think it's the, the Bandit 200 supporting Florida FFA February 18th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on FS1. Then we have the Beef It's it's What for Dinner 300 um, on February 18th. And then we got to open up the NASCAR season officially, the 2023 Daytona 500, February 19th, 2023. You catch that at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. So yeah, it's a, a lot of sports going on this weekend, so make sure you catch up on that. But uh, yeah, I think that's everything I got for you guys today. Um, thank you for listening to Rambling Runoff. If you're listening on YouTube, please hit the, the subscribe button. Also like the video. If you're on Spotify, give us a good review. Give us a follow. Thank you for the people listening on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you may be listening to us. Uh, if you want to hear or see some more stuff from us on the socials, go on to Twitter at Rambling Runoff, on Instagram as well at Rambling Runoff. You can also find us on TikTok. But uh, yeah, that's everything I got for you guys today. I've been your host, Robert Reels. See you next time. Peace out. Woo!